Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Dream Bigger podcast. I'm your host, Sif, and I'm the founder of Ice and Glitter, which is a blog, Instagram page, and YouTube channel. So one of the things I like to use this platform for is to break stigma and really try and educate people on topics which they may not be familiar with. One of these topics is plastic surgery. It's still a topic that divides people and there's a lot of misinformation out there. I've spoken really openly about my stance, which is you do you. If it makes you happy, go for it. I know that the day I notice wrinkles, I'll definitely be running to the doctor's office to get Botox, but... As someone who's not gotten plastic surgery or like any sort of fillers in the past, I definitely want to be informed, which is why I like to have these conversations with experts who can bring you that information. So it's been a while that I've had since I've had a plastic surgeon on the podcast. The last time was, I think, when I spoke to Dr. K, which is episode five or six. So go back and listen to that if you haven't yet. It's a really, really informative episode. Today, I'm chatting with Dr. Sean Rice, who's a leading plastic surgeon and an expert on butts specifically. We do a deep dive into all things plastic surgery from face to boobs and especially butts. This episode will definitely answer a lot of questions you've had about plastic surgery and even, and will even bring those of you who have biases against plastic, plastic surgery some insight. I hope that this episode educates you, you know, brings you the information you need if this is something you're thinking about and, you know, if you're closed off to it, just brings you some information so you stop being so biased. So with that, let's welcome Dr. Sean Rice to the Dream Bigger podcast. Okay, so Dr. Rice, take me back. What made you get into plastic surgery? Well, I always wanted to be a doctor, and I didn't do, do, didn't do so well in high school way back in the day. Um, and I just thought, you know, I really wanted to help people. And I originally was thinking about orthopedic surgery, of all things, because, you know, I'm a pretty big guy, and all guys want to be orthopedic surgeons playing football and stuff. And then I started learning about plastic surgery and, and all the differences that you could do from hands to burning and stuff like that. And then um, I decided to switch and apply to plastic surgery. Wow, I love that. And I love that you came from like a place that you wanted to help people with like yeah. different things. Yeah, cool. I think people people had this misperception about uh, plastic surgeons. You know, when I, I still do a lot of OHIP stuff. I still do a lot of hands. I worked in the burn unit, the biggest burn unit in the country for years. Wow. Um, and I do a lot of cosmetics, but, uh, you know, I still try to do what I can to help people out. I love that. Okay, so what are the most common procedures right now for women? 
Oh my God. I guess, uh, I guess you can kind of break that into surgical and non-surgical. Let's do surgical first and then non-surgical. Yeah. So I would say, um, things like tummy tucks are always been quite popular. Um, breast augmentation sort of fluctuated up and down and things with, you know, there's, uh, with the textured implants now and the, and the BIA LCL or the breast. Wait, what, what, what do these things mean? Yeah. So, um, Textured implants, there's, there's been an association with what they call BIA-ALCL, so which is breast implant-associated ALCL. So ALCL is a form of uh, lymphoma, so it's kind of like a cancer of the immune system. There's been a very small subset of people that have developed a, a lymphoma around the capsule that forms around breast implants, but only very specific type of implants. They were highly aggressive textured implants, and we haven't used those in years. Um, so I would still say breast augmentation is very popular. We do. Um, tummy tucks are very popular. Uh, Brazilian butt lifts, surgical, non-surgical, a lot of facelifts. Um, they're probably the more common ones. Do you feel like there's like specific trends that happen based on like pop culture, for example? Like, do you notice any that are like just got more popular that weren't or anything like oh, that? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, the advent of the Kardashians yep, and Instagram. The Kardashian and, effect, yeah. Like, oh my God, I tell you, my daughter's friends are, are I would say, <laughs> you know, there's that sort of selfie face now too, that everybody wants to know, like, how can I make my face look good on my selfie? So I would say non-surgical, no has become a huge uh, thing these days. So rather than getting a rhinoplasty or your nose done surgically, you can put a little bit of filler in your nose to sort of uh, give you a nice profile. Uh, we, and you can put a little bit of Botox or neurotoxin disport at the bottom of your nose to sort of turn your nose up a little bit. Oh. Um, you know, lips are always been huge. Um, anything that makes you look good on your selfie is popular <laughs> these days. Yeah, it's popular. Eh? <laughs> um, <clears throat> so when I, I wanted to get back into like more surgical things. Sure. So the first question I'm curious about is what is a mommy makeover? Sure. So a mommy maker is kind of, you know, everybody has their version of a mommy makeover. Really what it is is you're doing the breast and the stomach at the same time. It's okay. really the mommy makeover. So the stomach is generally a tummy tuck. It could be just something like liposuction. Um, and the breast is really either breast augmentation or a breast lift. That's really the combination of what people call a mommy makeover. Got it. And if someone wants to get breast reduction, um, is it counterproductive to do it before pregnancy? Or like would they have to do like a mommy makeover afterwards? You know, um, we certainly get a lot of people that uh, are sort of uh, have, before they've had their children and come in and want a breast reduction. Um, there's been very not so great research on uh, breast reduction before having children. I would say I've certainly done it on lots and lots of people and lots of people have been able to breastfeed afterwards. Breastfeeding is one of those things. Uh, whether you've had surgery or not, you may not be able to do anyways. Right. And generally people that need a breast reduction have really large breasts and sometimes large breasts, they just can't breastfeed. So what I always tell people rather than if you're the type of person that your goal is, I really want to be able to breastfeed. If you have a breast reduction and you can't breastfeed, are you going to beat yourself up and go, if I didn't have that breast reduction, could I have breastfed? So I always tell people, if you're that type of person, wait 
until you've had kids. If you're not that type of person, then go for it at any time. So what does a breast reduction surgery look like? Because I feel like we have so much information about breast augmentation, sure. but I feel like the other way around, there's like a lack of information. So like, do you add implants after to like perk everything up or how does it work exactly? No, so breast reduction would be really if you've had really large breasts and you got back neck sort of shoulder pain. So what you're doing is you're maintaining sort of central core breast tissue around the nipple. So there's this big fallacy that you take the nipple off and stick it somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> and what you're doing is you're really taking a central core breast tissue and you're just rotating that up and you're removing all the tissue around it. So there's lots of different techniques. I, I use what's called a vertical technique and I same one that I do for my mastopexies are breast lifts and the scar looks like a lollipop, kind of goes around the area, all the pink area around the nipples straight down the center. So to one of the older techniques, it's called a wise pattern. It kind of looks like a boat anchor where the scar goes underneath the breast as well. So those are the two most common scars. So really it's for if you've got back neck shoulder pain and you're looking to sort of you know your triple d breasts or something and you're looking to get rid of that extra weight so the breast reduction will rotate the nipple up kind of like you're having a breast lift and get rid of the weight at the same time got it okay and so now going on to breast augmentation sure um do you consult on size like do you advise patients about what you know what they should do what they shouldn't do like what how does it work exactly? Yeah, so I mean, we spend a lot of time. We generally spend about an hour going through our breast augmentation consultations. And I have a very amazing office coordinator who used to work for a company that manufactured bras and stuff like that. So she's very knowledgeable about trying on sizes and stuff. So what we do is we kind of, you know, I sort of ask people what size you want to be. Everybody has different sizes. And my goal is to really kind of educate you as you go along what is going to fit your body frame and what is going to make you look you know really super fake and some people want to look super fake some people want to look not not normal but they want to look um you know they just want to sort of an, enhance what they had my goal is to sort of help you fit into that category are there like different kinds of implants that people can pick yeah, so the, the most common ones are, are, the two most common ones are, are saline, mm -hmm. or what they call the cohesive gel, which are silicone implants. So the older silicone implants were a liquid, basically in a silicone bag. And about maybe 20 years ago, they came out with the cohesive gel implants, or what they call the gummy bear implants. So they are really a silicone based, uh, but they're a solid, so not a liquid. So you can take a pair of scissors, cut them in half, they don't leak anywhere. So they're kind of a hard form thing. The there's pros and cons for each one. The cohesive gel ones or the silicone-based ones generally tend to feel more natural than the saline implants do. Um, but you have to pick your size ahead of time. So you have to sort of spend a lot of time going, this is the size I want. Whereas saline implants, you can alter that size on the tables. You could say, okay, I want, you know, just add 20 cc's more, take out 20 cc's. So you can kind of play with the sizes a little bit. Whereas the gel ones, you have to know what you're doing before you start the surgery. Um, is it... I guess possible to give someone like fake boobs that actually look very like convincingly real. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, totally. So there's a couple of keys to if you want to look fake versus looking normal. No, I hate to use the word normal, Nor but, but let's like say you like not fake yeah. or convincing, yeah. right? So if you if you're trying on breast implants. And if you stand in front of the mirror, if you put on breast, it's, 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 even if you take a, a bag and stick it in your bra, right? So if you're standing in front of the mirror, if your breast, the top part of your breast goes above your armpit, that's a, that's a fake look instantaneously. And if you stand up straight, put your arms at the side. If the outer part of the breast, like the side boob, if that sticks more than about a third of the way into your arm, so say like right down here, then that's automatically fake look. 
interesting guaranteed right so and and people just in the back of their mind you somebody will go oh, that's fake right so it's kind of the old memorex is it real or is it fake kind of thing if you stick within those guidelines no matter what the size of the implant is you won't look fake you'll still look natural oh i love that so quick question but like as a plastic surgeon like can you look at someone and you just automatically know if they've had work done or not you can in a lot of cases sure and there's there's some telltale signs people that get different you know there's there's sort of three common incisions that people use to put implants in you can put the implants in through the armpit you can put them in through the nipple or you can put them in through the bottom of the breast uh, people that have had them in through the armpit if you know if they're out to dinner and they put their arm up in the air sometimes you see the scar if you see that scar i know that you've had breast augmentation right through right the armpit kind of thing. so you know there are a few telltale things but if you stay within those guidelines sometimes it's very difficult to tell got it okay so i'm curious about what you do if you encounter a patient who deals with body body dysmorphia sure i mean we deal with that all the time um you know uh i tend to really sort of sit down and i talk to people and i and i sort of say you know what's your goal and why are you doing this if it gets to the point where i feel that you're just your mind is just not there and and it's unrealistic i have no problem telling people that it's unrealistic and, and my goal because i'm really a, a physician you know i know i'm a plastic surgeon but i really am a doctor at heart and i did take an oath to look out for people so um and sometimes people get really pissed off at you for not operating on them but uh, i i feel very strongly that if your mind is not in the right place then i have no problem sort of telling them and you know um, sometimes we'll They'll go back and see their family doctor. Their family doctor will send a letter back and say, you know, I think they're fine for surgery and I'm okay with that. Um, but if I feel that you're not in the right place at that moment in time, then then I just won't operate on you. Super interesting. Okay, so you specialize in butts. Yeah. So I wanted to get into that a little bit. So sure. what are the different options? What are the different options someone has with butts? Yeah, so like you can take, so butts are really, really popular these days and people have this perception about butt that everybody thinks they want a big gigantic butt, right? And that's not necessarily the case. So there's really two types of, you can do surgical, you can do non-surgical. Surgical butts are really the either butt implants or the, what the, was really popular was the Brazilian butt lift, which means you're basically taking fat, your liposuctions and fat out of all around your body and inject the fat into the butt. And then there's the non-surgical butts. So the two most common non-surgical butts are the most common one is Sculptra. So Sculptra is a stimulant as opposed to a filler. So if you're getting your lips or something done, that's what's called hyaluronic acid fillers. So Sculptra takes your own body's collagen and causes it to re-stimulate itself again. So you inject that into the butt it really helps with cellulite it really helps with giving you an, an amazing shape to that oh. very very popular in brazil south america it's huge there i sit on the ad board i helped design the fda protocol for that and then the other one that um uh, has just come out that i'm working with a pharmaceutical company now and it's the only one in the world now that has a body filler so it's an ha like you're getting your lips and stuff done but we inject it into your butt so sculpture takes about seven months you need to do three treatments about six weeks apart it takes about seven months to see the result but then it lasts about two and a half years whereas the ha filler you, you see the result instantaneously just like getting your lips and stuff done and it'll last you about maybe two years and then you come back every two years and re-inject your butt again oh wow so how long does the procedure take to like do injections on your butt 
that takes maybe 20 minutes to do the whole thing. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So we do a lot of them, and, and I'm just in the process of perfecting the protocol and teaching others on how to do that now. So does it give you, like, a lift, or, like, what does it do? Yeah, it's phenomenal how well it does. It, it's And, you know, we've learned over the years when you want to, um, and I do a lot of teaching internationally on how to inject fillers and stuff like that in the face. And we sort of learned over the years if you want to bring up your jowls that are hanging down here, you need to really inject your cheek and sort of pull up almost like a facelift. And, and the protocols that I've designed for the butt are similar. You can put a little bit of product at the top of the butt to give you some nice shape and it really does pull up the bottom end of the butt. So, you know, what I hear from a lot of people is there's the there's the 20 year olds that want to look like the Kim Kardashian and then there's the 30 to 50 year old that just want to look good in their bikini again kind of thing and they just want to get rid of the cellulite and get some shape so either one of those products is fantastic for that do you recommend one over the other to like specific people is it like a case-by-case thing yeah yeah so we'll sit down and we'll talk and we'll figure out what your like what your goal is in the end if you're looking for really big volume you need to go to the ha fillers the one that we're just designing now if you're looking for a really nice shape and you're looking for some texture because sculpture really works really well with texturing of the skin sort of thickening in the skin then a sculpture is the route to go for that and like why would someone opt for non-surgical as opposed to like brazilian butt lift like tell me about the brazilian brazilian butt lift because i mean it's like a whole phenomenon right now yeah so butt implants are a very technically demanding Mm -hmm. surgery to do and you're and if you're ever considering butt implants you really got to go to somebody that does a lot of them not somebody that just happens to do a few of them on the side (laughs) Um, and Brazilian butt lift is really so what you're doing with that is you're just liposuctioning a bunch of fat out of somewhere you're taking that fat and re-injecting it into the butt but of all procedures we do in 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 plastic surgery it has the highest risk of death associated with Brazilian butt wow and what happens with that is that a lot of people are injecting really high volumes into the butt like some people putting a liter of fat in each butt the fat under pressure can kind of go into a blood vessel and that can travel into your lungs and and create an embolus and you could die from that so there's been a a really backing away from big high volume brazilian butt lifts um, and that's hence the sculpture butt and the ha fillers have really kind of come into play for that and sometimes sometimes people have no butt because they're just too skinny right and you can't um there's just no fat to liposuction out so that's when you want to go to the fillers or sculpture what is the like is there any downtime with fillers and is there any downtime or like rather what is the downtime with um brazilian butt lifts yeah so if you're going to do a brazilian butt lift you're looking at about a six week recovery so technically you really can't sit on your butt for about six weeks wait so so what do you do yeah so (laughs) let's say if you're driving in the bus or you're driving to work you need to put a little almost like one of those sort of hemorrhoid type uh, uh, pillows underneath your legs. So you don't want to put pressure wow. um, because fat's a living entity and fat will die without a blood supply. And it's the shearing force that causes the blood supply to die. So you sit on your butt and you're rocking back and forth kind of thing. Every time you rock back and forth, you lose a little bit of the fat. And this is one of the variables with fat grafting is that, you know, you can do Brazilian butt lift on a whole bunch of people and some people they get a lot of fat survive some people don't so it's really kind of finicky so it's about a six-week recovery time sleeping on your stomach you can't go to the gym all that kind of a thing because if you go to the gym your body utilizes fat as an energy source and that's free fat sitting in your butt and it'll just suck it all up as an energy source so if you're looking at the sculpture or the HAs you can get it done you can go to the gym you can go sit on your butt you can do there's no downtime whatsoever you just go about life like normal I mean that sounds like a big commitment six weeks yeah it is yeah it's something that people really have to 
to look into, particularly people that kind of go overseas and they try to do something like a tummy tuck and do their butt at the same time. Well, if you do that, if you think about that, and now you're getting on a plane and you're coming back to Canada again, you're sitting on a plane for five hours, you're squishing all the fat. You can't sleep on your on your stomach because you had a tummy tuck, and you can't sleep on your back because you know you've got your butt done. So oh you're already asleep, right? You know, <laughs> sleep standing up for the next six weeks. So um, yeah, sometimes you just got to think before you do things. Yeah, seriously, that does not sound fun. Oh my gosh. Okay, so moving on to injectables. Um, first is Botox. First, is there such a thing as preventative Botox in your opinion? Do you feel like that works? Yeah, sure. So Botox falls into what they call the neuromodulator or neurotoxin category. So in Canada now there's, there's four uh, Botoxes in the market. There's Botox, there's Dysport, uh, there's Zeman and a brand new one just came in last week called Nucevia. Um, and they're, they're all the same. They're, they're, the base of all those is, is the, the toxin. And what that does, it just blocks the signal from your, from your um, nerve to the muscle and the muscle doesn't contract, the muscle doesn't contract, doesn't pull on your skin, you don't get wrinkles. So the whole thing of doing Botox um, preventatively is, and you don't have to do it so that you look like a deer in the headlights, you can still do it so you can move, but if you do it preventatively, it'll prevent you from getting those lines down the road. So it's, um, there's a really interesting study, if you can ever find it, it was done maybe 20, maybe 30 years ago now, two twin sisters, and one had Botox um, cosmetically and one didn't, and and they followed them for like a seven or 10 year time frame, and, and in the end, one looked like the mother and one looked like the daughter, just from a strictly from a preventative point of view. Wow, that is yeah. fascinating. Yeah. So what's the difference then between Botox and filler? So Botox won't give you volume. So Botox is really to prevent the muscle from moving. So Botox you can really only use on your on your forehead. You can use on on the corner of your eyes. You can use in your glabella line really just to prevent you from getting those 11s and wrinkles. Whereas filler is going to give you volume. So filler won't prevent you from getting wrinkles down the road. Whereas Botox or Dysport, those things will prevent you from getting the wrinkles. Filler is really if you want to fill up your cheeks, you want to fill in your lips, you want to do something like that, then you need a filler. So if someone is looking to start Botox in like a preventative way, like when should they start? What do you recommend? I mean, we certainly, and I know people freak out when we say this, but we certainly see people in their early twenties and mid twenties. And it's not like, like they're not coming in to have a whole ton of Botox done. They're just looking, like you said, as a preventative thing. So what I do for a lot of people that are particularly like on television, because a lot of people don't want that deer in the headlight look, you know, like their eyebrows are sticking way up and yeah. they can't smile. They look like a doll. Right? Yeah. Some people want that look, some don't. So you can put Botox very small amounts into the skin so as opposed to into the muscle. So what you're doing is you can still move, you can lift your eyebrows up, you can do everything, but the skin doesn't wrinkle doesn't oh. last as long as it would normally so a lot of younger people come in and they just get a little bit put in here and there strictly preventative and not like a not like a full routine where they're going to get that deer in the headlight look so if someone wants to do that approach i guess and they're younger like how often would you get that redone well, if, you know, injecting in the muscle generally lasts about four months. Injecting in the skin can last sometimes up to three months. But you don't necessarily have to do it every three months. You could do it, you know, you could do it twice a year as a preventative thing. Everybody's skin's a little bit different. And it really depends on what sort of skin quality you start with. If you're really looking to get rid of those lines, you need to add a really good skincare regime and sunscreens, like number one, on top of your Botox or 
dysport or whatever filler or neurotoxin you want to use. I love that you talk about sunscreen because I feel like it is such a great anti-aging measure oh, that uh, like everyone has available to them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're going to pick one thing, you know, don't smoke and stay out of the sun. Uh, but sunscreen by far would be the number one anti-aging preventative thing you could do for yourself. Love that. Yeah. Guys, everyone has access to this. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Just put some on your face. <laughs> um, okay, so what are the different kinds of fillers? Like, obviously, I think Juvederm is probably the most known, but like, yeah. what what are the different kinds of fillers? What are they good for? What do they do? So the interesting thing with fillers, so fillers come into lots of different categories. The most common one that people know are what's called hyaluronic acid fillers, which are the Juvederm, the Restylane, uh, the Bolotero, like a TOCL, the more common ones that, that you know of. Hyaluronic acid is really a naturally occurring substance of your skin. It's what lubricates your joints and it's what gives you the moisture to your skin. So really hyaluronic acid is designed to suck in water. So uh, when you inject hyaluronic acid, uh, the hyaluronic acid is made in lots of different forms. So it's the same product, whatever you use for your cheeks, your lips, it's just how they manufacture it. So think of hyaluronic acid comes as a powder, they mix it all together and they make it into whatever you want to put for your lips, for your cheeks. HA is an HA, it's how they mix it together. So if, the, if you want to do your lips, you need to make it into small little balls, think of it that way, and then you inject those balls into your lips. If you want to do it in your cheeks, they make it into bigger balls. The bigger the ball, the longer it lasts, the smaller the ball, the faster it goes away. Got it. And if someone is getting their lips done, for example, like how long would that last? You know, generally the lips are a pretty vascular area, so it can suck through a lot of hyaluronic acid in a very short time period. So, um, you know, you're looking at about nine to 12 months. What we do here at Hamam is um, we have a sort of a lip routine. So what we'll do is we'll put in the filler. We'll use a little bit of neurotoxin in the lip. And what that does is it sort of flips up your lip a little tiny bit. And then we use some of the SkinCeuticals um, lip protector. So if you're, if you're going to spend X amount of money on your lips, you might as well spend a little bit more and get a real protector to make your lips look really good. Yeah, then that weight lasts. Yeah, exactly. And then it'll last a little bit longer and you're saving money in the end. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, so how do you ensure, like when you're getting fillers in, that you don't have like a Joan Rivers type situation? Because right. it's just like not cute. <laughs> but you know, I, I think you need to talk to people because there are people that want to look like that, right? And, yeah, if, yeah. If, if, if you're not amongst the people that want to yeah, yeah. So if you want to look, yeah, my, listen, my theory in life, I, I do sex changes. I do a whole bunch of different stuff. My theory in life is I'm not your priest. I'm just your surgeon, right? So I, I'll make a medical judgment about you, but I'm, I'm not, never going to make a moral judgment about you kind of a thing. So I, I think you need to sit down and you need to talk to people. And what, what I do is I, you know, I train people all around the world, but what drives me crazy is somebody comes in, they say, okay, I want my nasal labial folds done, or I just want this done. And then sort of novice injectors will just go for that area and ignore everything else. If you just go for a specific area, you will, you'll look like strange, right? Because that's not the way your body looks. So if you want to fill in your nasal labial folds, you want to fill in stuff, you always got to remember your cheeks. You always got to remember the one area, if there was one area of the head that you could pick um, to make you look younger, it would be your temples by far. And it's the probably the number one area that people completely ignore. Really? Get older. Yeah. Wow. Everybody thinks it's your lips. Everybody thinks it's your cheek. It really isn't. Your temples follow all your cheekbone, follow into your jawline, follow into your cheek. And you get, you know, see as people age, they get that peanut kind of look to their yep, head and yep. it collapses in. If you fill that back in sculptures, 
perfect for that. You fill it back in and then it, it really brings you back. It really rejuvenates you and makes you look a lot younger. That is And just ignore the rest of your face. Yeah. Fill in your temples. You'd be totally surprised at how wow. younger you'd look. That is fascinating. Yeah. So if someone has really terrible bags under their eyes, right. what can you recommend without them looking like frozen, right. you know? So bags and so everybody has fat pads under your eyes and think of it as like there's like a belt that holds the fat pad in and as we all age that belt gets looser and looser and looser like my stomach gets bigger and bigger <laughs> and then what happens is the bags eventually that thing just stretches and then those bags stick out so you either got to do one thing you got to do one of three things either get rid of the bags or you tighten up the belt or you mask it somehow right so you either operate on your eyes and you remove a little bit of skin you remove the fat pad but then some people just don't want to do surgery the other one is you need to mask it so you can mask it with filler same stuff you put in your lips and your cheeks so what you want to do is you want to fill in that area around the bag so you're not removing the bag you're just but you it's a very delicate thing to do you need to know the anatomy properly you need to know that your cheek has to equal your 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 um uh, tear troughs basically um so that's a simple a easy way to do it for sure got it and while we're on the topic of injectables <clears throat> i've been reading now about um and uh, i forget what it's called. i think it's bel belkira belkira belkira, belkira yes. yeah and yeah. it's basically like you inject it and what the fat melts off yeah. so it's an it's an acid it's been around for a long long time it's um so what happens is is that you you need to be very very careful when you're injecting products like belkyra so there's very so really belkyra is for like the little sort of turkey gobble kind of little fat pad underneath your your uh your chin so you don't want it you have to very follow stay within that sort of fat pad you don't want to go outside the fat pad and what happens is you need to do multiple treatments uh, with belkyra so you need to do maybe four sometimes even up to six sometimes seven treatments spaced apart and what happens is it's basically an acid and the acid just dissolves the fatty component inside there so you can do things like surgery you could do liposuction you can do belkyra you can use some of the external fat melters now you know uh, we use warm sculpting here it's um it's this little pad you put underneath there and it's a laser and that does basically melts the fat pad under the chin so does that actually work like say for example uh, like my arms for example i want to like whittle them down a little bit sure. not go the surgical route like yeah. i would go through like that warm thing yeah yeah so you can use uh so some of those will help you know all those treatments are the results for most of them are about the same you can lose about 25 30 percent of fat in a given area a lot of them don't have great skin tightening though it's so you need good skin quality uh, so you don't get big sort of sagging skin you generally need to do about two treatments about six weeks apart but uh, they work they work really well Wow, that is, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. The technology, like, I feel like there's, like, a new thing coming up, like, all the time. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, I, I tried. I did, too. I went to New York on the, the FDA trial for the warm sculpting, um, oh, my God, five, six years ago now. And I just had one love handle done and came home on the plane, and I still got to get the other love handle fixed. <laughs> one of these days when I get some time, <laughs> I'll fix it. So it actually works. Yeah, like, it, it melts the one oh, yeah, side yeah, off. It works, yeah, it works quite well. Wow, and how yeah. long does it last? what they're permanent once you get rid of the fat it's gone you're right? kidding so it's you know people always have this this thing about so let's say liposuction right if i suck fat out of somewhere is it going to go somewhere else and it's not so what happens is you create a new body shape 
whether it's a tummy tuck, whether it's fat grafting, whether it's one of the external melters. Once you create that body shape, that body shape will stay there. But if you put on weight or lose weight, that body shape will fluctuate up and down. Right. So it's not like I did my love handles and all the fat went to my butt. It's just that uh, your love handles look smaller now. So as you put on weight like you would have normally, you just notice it in your butt as opposed to when you wouldn't have noticed it before. So, so interesting. My goodness. Okay. The last question I have for you is what is PRP? So PRP is very, very popular. I've yeah. had PRP on my eyes. To oh, get rid have of the you? wrinkles under my eyes. Yeah. So PRP is platelet rich plasma. So what you're doing is you take some blood out of your arm. So you come here, we just take a little bit of blood, just like you're giving blood somewhere, but it's very small. Um, and then that goes through the centrifuge. So you take the blood, you put it through the centrifuge. And what that does is it separates the red cells from the white cells and all the growth factors. So the interesting thing with research over the years, so platelet-derived growth factor is, is when you cut yourself and the platelets, you know, we always think of the platelets are just little plugs that plug up the hole in your artery but they plug up that hole by stimulating collagen and really causing your artery to think of it as causing your artery to regrow. So what you're doing is you're purifying those growth factors, kind of like a stem cell, but not necessarily a stem cell, kind of a cousin of a stem cell. And you inject that back into whatever area you want to do. So you can put it into your under eyes. People use it for, oh my God, they use it for everything. People just use it for scars. People use it on our facelift sometimes to help with the scar heal well. People use it for like the old shot for G-spot enhancement. And what it really does, what it does is the growth factors stimulate collagen in the area. The collagen brings in new blood supply. The new blood supply stimulates blood, stimulates nerves. And that's how like things like the G spot and the O spot stuff work. Wow, that is fascinating. And yeah. so like it it gives you like for your face specifically, like it gives yeah, you. Yeah, so it, it works. It's not a volumizer. So it's not like right, you want to get right. your lips done or something Absolutely. like that. Absolutely. It's really for fine lines. It works amazing on your neck, uh, for little fine lines on your neck. And, and it even works for skin pigmentation. So if you've got little wrinkles underneath your eyes, like particularly guys, they just don't want everybody to know that they've had anything done kind of thing, right? So you can inject a PRP on your eyes. It helps really well. Well with the wrinkles and someone can come get like a whole facial done yeah you get a whole facial done you know kim kardashian made that famous, the vampire facial you know, the yeah. vampire yeah so the vampire face up is really a a um a prp with a ha filler but that that so when they did the original that sort of kim kardashian when people always think oh my god my face is going to be covered in blood it's not what they did for that is they just took a roller and they poke a bunch of holes and then they pour that prp over top of the holes but that's kind of passe nobody does that anymore what they do is they basically inject it with a needle so you inject it underneath the skin so it's just like you're getting your lips done but you're injecting the prp into that area so you're not covered in blood you're not looking like the vampire. So oh, interesting. So like, what's the downtime then? Is there a downtime? No, but the PRP is quite inflammatory. So you you can get a bit of a puffy eyes for, you know, a couple of days afterwards. So if you got a, like a hot date or you got a wedding or something on the weekend, you don't want to do it, but, um, <laughs> you know, you want to make sure that you do it. And PRP also, it's not a one-time deal. So you need mm. to do about three treatments, about six weeks apart. And then you need to do a maintenance about every six months. We do it all the time for hair growth. It's oh. like one of the number one things for, uh, for men and women that are losing their hair. If you're it won't work but if you're losing your hair and your hair is thinning uh, we do inject PRP all the time you inject it into the hair follicle and it causes the hair to stimulate itself 
Wow. And that just, that helps for like thickening hair yeah, and stuff. Thickening hair. I do it for guys in their beards that have little patches here and there and that are losing stuff. And, and for women that are losing their hair, we inject PRP all the time. I have you, to tell you, my friends. <laughs> yeah. You have, you have to do it on a continual basis. not a one shot off because hair follicles, you know, they rotate every couple of months and, and they're in an active phase. They're in a dormant phase. You can, PRP only works when stuff is in the active phase, but it works really well. How often if, if someone's coming in to get their hair, like treat their hair with PRP, like how often should yeah, they come in? I say, you know, we generally tend to do like a starting kind of get you going, so to speak. It's, you need to do somewhere between three to six treatments about maybe four weeks apart. And then you need to do like a, you know, sort of seasonally, you come in three, four times a year and get a little bit of PRP injected into the area. So interesting. Yes, yeah, because the hair follicles, you know, some are growing, some are dormant. So yeah. you never know which ones are which. So you got to continually put something into there. Amazing. Okay, before we wrap, tell everyone where they can find you. So you can find me here at the Hamam Spa Baby Village. Um, we are going to start renovating the Hamam Spa dip back down on King Street. So I'll be down there probably in the summertime when that opens. And then I have my surgical office where I do all my surgery at uh, Shepherd and Leslie. And Instagram and all this sort of thing. Instagram, yeah. yeah, yeah. Follow my daughter on Instagram. <laughs> she'll, she'll take care of my Instagram. <laughs> I think it's uh, Rice Cosmetic Surgery on Instagram. Amazing. I'm terrible at Instagram though. <laughs> I'm an old man. Oh no, uh, your, your daughter's got your back. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Rice. My pleasure.